This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. Uh, last, a couple of weeks ago, we um, uh, started looking at this thought of the process of growth and how growth occurs in the Christian life. And um, we sometimes we neglect thinking about these kinds of things um, because growth in some ways is an automatic uh, thing. There are elements of growth that happen despite us, um, but there are also elements of growth that happen because we cooperate with God and uh, we cooperate in the will of God in our lives and and by that obedience, God causes growth in our lives. And so we looked at last time the aspect of faith um, and so today we want to look at time. Um most people who sit in this church look at time often when the preaching happens. You know, they, they say, man, is this sermon ever going to finish? Um, uh, but time is often a very difficult thing for believers to reconcile, and I think it is becoming increasingly so. And that's because we're in a generation now, or we're in a time of life now, and a time in, in history, in which everything happens so quickly. Now and uh, you know you want everything to occur straight away. Um, you know we've we've got the microwave oven and all these kinds of things. We've got national broadband network. Oh, well, that was supposed to speed things up, but anyway, you know we hate waiting for a download, and um, you know we're amazed that we got getting 5G across the nation, and other nations have had it for ages. And won't that be faster? And we don't go to the shops, we just shop online, it comes to the door, um, we have a few people around and then we say, let's just order some Uber Eats and we, we get that delivered. All of these things because we're in a generation of time and convenience now and uh, you know, in the old days we used to have to use dial-up and, um, and stuff and you'd go onto a web page and you'd see a photo upload and line by line by line by line and so literally you would go and put the kettle on and make a cup of coffee and come back and then think why did this person put up a high res photo because it's still loading and um, if you wanted to go to the library sometimes all of a sudden you're doing some research and, and you wanted an answer to something you had to go to the library and then of course because it was Saturday at 12 you know 1205 uh, you had to wait till Monday to go back to the library and uh, and get in there then. All these kinds of things. The the changes within society uh, are such now that, that time is always of an essence. Everything is happening quickly and spontaneously and we don't like to wait around for things. And um, we can be the same way in our Christian walk, we can feel like we're not making spiritual progress if we're not forging ahead quickly. And this can be a dangerous thing because although we often see when someone becomes a believer that their growth is very fast in the initial stages, you and I who've been saved for a while, we've always seen that believers tend to level out and then go through periods of growth and level out and go through periods of growth. And this seems to be the case for most people's lives. Now, for the healthy growth of any tree, every tree 
almost every tree, I won't say every tree, but almost every tree goes through the same process. That trees through, as they come out of the coldness of the winter months and they come into those spring rains and there's lots of uh, groundwater, uh, they will put on a thickness of real fibrous wood that is between the bark and the older growth. And, and they plough on this extra growth of this stringy fibrous wood. And then uh, that, that period only lasts for a short period of time. And then what happens is the tree settles down, the moisture content begins to dry, die away, and the tree begins solidifying that, that soft outer growth and it begins to become harder and stronger and strengthen the tree for its growth upward and its root growth outward. And so God has a purpose for you and I. And so for healthy growth to take place, God is going to modify the pace of your growth in the Christian life according to his timeline, not according to your timeline. And um, that can be the problem. I don't know if you know it, but I can be a very impatient person. And um, uh, God has had to go through processes in my life to teach me some patience, and he's still doing that. And uh, I, I seldom pray, Lord, teach me patience, because I know it's going to be painful when I, when I pray that, and um, because he's going to teach me things, and he's going to cause circumstances in my life that will be that lesson to patience. So turn to Second Peter chapter 3. Just going to grab that bottle there. Thank you. Second Peter chapter 3. 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother, Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. Therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, verse 17, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be both glory now and forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. And we praise you uh, for the wisdom within it. And right now, Lord, open our hearts to its truth. Uh, Lord, and help us to uh, have discerning hearts as we look into this, uh, this topic this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I've, I mentioned a couple of weeks back, um, the movement that Suzanne and I were a part of before and um, it was often thought or it was often suggested in fact that somebody who was maybe going through a bit of a struggle in their Christian walk 
it might have been in a backhanded way mentioned that you know I'm worried he's backsliding and uh, this kind of thing that that often when someone is not making this stellar forward progress and they seem to be struggling with some things or, or working out some issues in their lives that this kind of comment would be made you know that that they were in some state of spiritual decline and uh, but John Darby said these words it is God's way to set people aside after their first start that self-confidence may die down Thus Moses was 40 years. On his first start, he had to run away. Paul was three years also after his first testimony. Not that God did not approve the first earnest testimony. We must get to know ourselves and that we have no strength. Thus we must learn and then, leaning on the Lord, we can with more maturity and more experientially deal with souls. God has a a purpose of working things in our lives that he would take away self-reliance and take away uh, self-confidence, these things, and, and help us to understand through the process of life how we can rely upon him in circumstances. And through those processes, he grows us in both knowledge and understanding through the experiences of life coupled with the study and application of the word that you and I can then apply the word of God experientially into life circumstances. If we trust in ourselves, we're, we're in for difficult times. And so Christians must understand that Christians mature and become fruitful by the principle of growth. Growth takes time. And the Lord is seeking to bring us to maturity and fruitfulness. And as a result of that, much time is involved in that. Second Peter 3 verse 18 says, Grow in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. So strong growth takes time. It's a process that takes time and God has purpose in that time. Humans uh, differ from most animals within the, uh, within the animal kingdom in that we require nurturing for a long period of time from birth uh, and there are many reasons for that. Uh, but part of that is that the slow and steady growth gives humans a, a longevity of life that isn't always present in other species of animals. So strong growth takes time. And without understanding and without yielding to this principle of time, there will be constant frustration. How many impatient people here? You, you struggle with patience, right? Just think about some of the things that make you feel impatient. Think about those for a moment that you get impatient with people, right? That, that there are characteristics of certain people that maybe you work with or you live with, and those people have certain... Uh, characteristics that when you kind of collide with those characteristics, it unearths the impatience 
within you. And as a consequence of that, as a, as a believer who wants God to achieve his best in your life, God will then make sure that he's bringing those people into your life because he's trying to mould you and shape you into the image of Jesus. Without understanding and yielding to this, we will end up resisting God's will for our lives. If And Simon would understand this as well. If, if there was one really big complaint about the organisation we were a part of before, is this rapid raising up of young disciples and then putting them out into ministry when they were still immature in direct contravention of Paul's in encouragement not to place a novice into those positions of responsibility. And so as a result of that, because when you go out into ministry, trust me, you're going to go into places where God is going to put a lot of pressure on you. And that pressure is going to expose all of the character faults within. And that's his purpose. God is doing that because he wants to bring you to maturity. But that's the wrong place for those to be exposed. It is better for those things, first of all, to be exposed within the framework of the local assembly so that people, brothers and sisters, can be there to steer you in the right direction and bring a a word of rebuke or exhortation uh, to help change and mould and shape your life before you go out into ministry and start burning people. A.H. Strong, the the great compiler of Strong's exhaustive, and I reckon he would have been exhausted at the end of that great work, but his exhaustive concordance and dictionary, uh, a a wonderful book. Um, And so if you download the free Bible software eSword, you can get a a free copy of uh, Strong's on that and look up the the original meanings of the, the Greek New and Old Testaments. He tells a story, though, of a student who asked a professor if he could take a shorter course than the one that was prescribed. And um, everyone who goes to university probably thinks, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Instead of three years, let's do it in one. And his professor informed him, when God wants to make an oak, he takes a hundred years, but when he wants to make a pumpkin, he takes a few months. There's a big difference between an oak and a pumpkin. Both have their uses, but there's a big difference. And Strong uh, Strong continued and he said, growth is not a uniform thing in a tree or in the Christian. In some single months, there is more growth in all, than in all the year besides. During the rest of the year, however, there is solidification without which the green timber would be useless and weak. The period of rapid growth when woody fibre is deposited between the bark and the trunk, occupies a short time in the tree's annual cycle. There are no shortcuts to growth. You know, um, driving back from the airport one morning and, uh, and along the way there was this amazing shooting star. Like, it was unreal. When you get around on the, on the Tullamarine Freeway and you're sort of facing toward the Bell Street exit... And it was up over that, looking out over Coburg there, and this thing was unreal. But, you know, I was just positioned right to see it because it's only like a second and a half. 
That's all it was, and it was gone. Um, but it gives some amazing light. Like it, it's a, it's intense in that moment, but it burns out quickly. A star is a lot different, isn't it? It gives an intense light as well, but it's consistent. It's so consistent, in fact, that navigators can navigate from the position of stars. That's, that's how amazingly consistent a star is. So, uh, as I mentioned before, that quote from Strong. But it's important for you to be able to acknowledge that God will bring forth growth and development through time. In fact, we could say, instead of through time, we could say in his time frame. And you might think big deal, but trust me, you're going to struggle with that. You're going to struggle with that issue because we don't like waiting for God's time frame. Without being able to acknowledge this, we will always be struggling like we're on shifting sand all the time because our our emotions are going to come into play and they're going to work against us because we will want things done now and we will want to sidestep the process of God because we think we can achieve a result somehow in our own working, in our own flesh that God is trying to achieve and his process is the correct process. If we validate maturity by means of personal experience, feelings, or blessings, then we're attempting to build on the shifting sands of our emotions and our life. One man said, Some have been betrayed into professing perfection or full deliverance because at the time they speak, they are happy and confident in the Lord. They forget that it's not a present experience that ensures fruit unto maturity, but a patient continuance in well-doing. You know, that's that's like saying to someone, how are you today? Oh, yeah, great. They woke up, they had a good sleep, they're feeling good, and then you, you know, they have... A, a bad phone call before they go to bed and and they have a rough sleep and the next day you ask them, how are you today? Oh, yeah, I'm okay. And everything is subject to their feelings at the time. And this is a, a, an inconsistent way to live. And it's a dangerous way to live because it focuses on the here and now and that leads then to an impatience in life whereby we want God to do things and we want it done on our time frame. The quote goes on and says, to taste of the grace of God is one thing, to be established in it and manifest it in our character, habits and regular life is another. This is what we want God to do, to establish his grace in our lives. I mean, as a little church, we, we've been really blessed, haven't we? We've had, um, uh, you know, Brother Iron Morgan came here before he uh, graduated on to glory and Philip Powell And I think the amazing thing, one of the amazing things about those men was the consistency of their lives. I mean, Iram was an infectious person all the time and you wouldn't know if he was going through great struggles or going through great blessings 
as we call them, and he, in fact, would tell you that the greatest times of blessing in his life were indeed the struggles he went through. Because that's when God caused the most growth in his life. But we struggle with that. It sounds all good on paper, doesn't it? You know, sounds good. Oh, yes, yes, that's right, Pastor, that's great. But when we go home and we face that struggle, that's when we can begin to have doubts, have confusion, have frustration. The quote goes on, it says, Experiences and blessings, though real, gracious visitations from the Lord, are not sufficient to rest upon, nor should they lead us to glory in ourselves as if we had a store of grace for time to come, or we get at the end of the conflict. No, fruit ripens slowly. Days of sunshine and days of storm each add their share. Blessing will succeed blessing and storm will follow storm before the fruit is full grown or comes to maturity. This is the case of life. And as much as you can, you know, I mean, in in our lifetime, the world has drastically changed. And if you are... If you're less than 24, 25 years old, you don't know what I'm talking about, having to go, having to go to the library for your research project. Now, you can just say, oh, I've got to look this up, mum. Open up your browser, search it out, all there within a couple of minutes at your fingertips. And, and this is teaching you stuff. This is teaching you that everything can be right now, all the time. No patience needed. It teaches you wrong wrong attitudes towards money, towards loans, towards credit cards, all of these kinds of things because buy now, pay later. All this kind of stuff. Time is an important thing to be able to save and then uh, invest, to be able to put aside and then invest that saving. That This is an important thing that God can teach you through the process of time and by coming to maturity. How does God bring about spiritual growth? See, God's method for spiritual growth involves pain as well as joy. Your children are going to be that way. It's not always laughter. With children, you know, you don't just go through life, ha ha ha, ho ho, hee hee, ha ha, smile, smile, smile. It's not all like that. Sometimes there are going to be moments of discipline and chastisement. Sometimes there are going to be moments where a child is going to have to be stopped from doing what they're doing, the thing that's bringing them so much joy, and educated about their behaviour. In our day, that was done a little more directly. You know, we we had that uh, old-fashioned principle. Came from someone wise that said, spare the rod and spoil the child. And, um, you know, now there are a million different psychological approaches to these kinds of things and, and uh, uh, which may have their benefits as well. But understand this, God will use suffering 
as well as happiness. God will use hardship as well as blessing. God will use failure as much or more than he will use success. You look at some of the greatest men in history. You know, you think of um, Abraham Lincoln and uh, there are mixed reviews about that man's life. But one of the things that is very clear is that Abraham Lincoln was a man who understood adversity and he failed at business many, many times, in excess of 30 times, I believe, before he succeeded. And he looked at that uh, through his presidency as being part of the reason why he was able to be stoic and strong through those dark times. Our temptation is that when we don't see the value of time, we will be tempted to make a shortcut. I love a good shortcut. I do a lot of driving and, uh, you know, I love a good shortcut, especially when it involves a dirt road. I love a good shortcut that is a dirt road, you know, especially when you're in the Subaru with the all-wheel drive. Love a good shortcut that's a dirt road in the Subaru, you know. (laughs) But spiritually, shortcuts don't produce the same result. They are not a good thing. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. It's a lengthy passage. I thank my God in all remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that an interesting wording that Paul put in there. I just get out my little clicker and I just point to that. When when is he going to bring that work to completion? At the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, while you still are remaining alive, God is still working in you. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of the grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless For the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Remember we said earlier, fruit doesn't come quickly. Fruit is formed slowly over time. And and Paul says to them, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. This is a growth issue that God is forming in you right up until the day of Christ. He's forming in you the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Note those words, that he who began a good work in you will perform it or will bring it to completion, as this translation says, until the day of Christ. It'll take that long because, I mean, I don't mean to put you down, but you still need some work on. So do I. You know, you and I, we have not arrived yet. 
We're not there yet. We're not perfected. Whether you think you are or not, doesn't matter. See, God is working, God is working for an eternal purpose. And, and we haven't arrived yet. He's working for an eternal purpose. Graham Scroggy said, spiritual renewal is a gradual process. All growth is progressive. And the finer the organism, the longer the process. It is from measure to measure, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold is from stage to stage. First the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. I love growing veggies. Sometimes they take longer than I want. That's just the case. And it is from day to day. How varied are these? There are great days, days of decisive battle, days of crisis in spiritual history, days of triumph, days of the right hand of God upon us. But there are also idle days, days apparently useless, even when prayer and holy service seem a burden. Are we in any sense renewed in these days? Yes. For any experience which makes us more aware of our need of God must contribute to spiritual growth unless we deny the Lord who bought us. Mark 4. Now remember God is working an eternal purpose. Mark 4. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. That doesn't mean one night and one day. It just means this is he goes about his routine. He goes to bed, he gets up, he goes to bed, he gets up, he goes to bed, he gets up. And seeds sprout, uh, the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Think of some people whom God has used mightily. And some of those people might be D.L. Moody, uh, Oswald Chambers, George Mueller, Murray McShane, McConkie, Spurgeon. On average, so you know on average, right? On average, these men spent 15 years preparing for the ministry that God had them for. Some were very young, like Spurgeon. But Spurgeon came into the full breadth of his ministry as a man, uh, you know, in his 30s and 40s. 15 years. What could God do in your life in the next 15 years? How could he prepare you? Philippians 3 says, Not that I have attained or am already perfected. I just love that verse from Paul. He's a a man that we should all and can all easily admire so much in Scripture. He says he was not perfected already. The word perfected is from the Greek word meaning to be matured or brought to completion. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, and this is the same Greek word, talion, and it's the same word used in 1 Corinthians 13 when it talks about that which is perfect. It's talking about that which is brought to a place of completion, meaning maturity. As many of us as are mature have this mind. And if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. And this, Paul constantly talked about this way of the Christian life, that the Christian life is a battle up here in the head. It's these thinking processes where we think wrong and we, we may think we're right in our thought processes, but God reveals something to us in his word and we replace that wrong thinking with right thinking. That's what maturity is all about. That's what it is. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. I'm not suggesting all experiences are invalid. Um, I'm not saying that at all this morning. But God has a process in your life of bringing you through those experiences and, and adding Uh, knowledge and understanding through the circumstances of life. The Spirit of God will lead us into genuine experiences intended to contribute to God's ultimate purpose for your life. And that ultimate purpose is going to continue. You know, you're not going to peak when you're 32. And then from there on, it's just all over, you know. Someone said to me, I'm on the decline now as of yesterday. They, they told me, you're on, the, you're on the decline. How old are you? 55. And they said, you're on the decline now. Every day is downhill now. But spiritually, it was, it was my birthday yesterday. But spiritually, that's not the case. In fact, that's, that's the thing that those brothers I mentioned before, Iron and Philip, uh, that's one of the things that was amazing about those those men. Octogenarians, I think they uh, they were the last, or at least Aaron was when he when he came uh, to our church. And you know what a blessing that man was Be- because he was so effervescent with the Spirit of God in his life. He wasn't resting on the laurels of the past. You see these experiences contribute to the whole. They are not the whole. So the the grand, oh, remember when God moved mightily back in 1912? That's, that's not the be-all and the end-all of your spiritual life. God has a purpose for you. There may be a soul laying ahead that you bring the gospel to that God is going to use to reach a foreign nation. Who knows what purpose God has ahead of you? Who knows what it may be? It may be a a child of yours or a grandchild of yours that you get to minister to, to in their sickbed as they're dying and inside you're thinking, this is all wrong. I'm supposed to go first. But you minister to them. And though things seem flipped around, God, this may be God's purpose and by trusting and relying in him, you can see that God's will 
can be accomplished despite the darkness of the circumstances we face. And life can bring some pretty dark ones on us. It takes time to know the Lord. It takes time to get to know Him as we need to know Him. That doesn't happen overnight. This is the, the, uh, the plight of falling in love. You know, people who fell in love and then they fell out of love. You know, like, like they tripped over and scuffed their knee or something. You know, it just happened like that. Love is something that re- requires time to be proven. It is proven with time. It is tested and strengthened with time. Philippians 3, 7 to 11. But what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count these things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of many things and count them as rubbish. The word there is dung. The Greek word is skubalong. And uh, uh, it, it means... It's a, it is a um, uh, colloquial term meaning crap. I count, I count them as crap. If we were to put it in the modern vernacular today. It's, yeah, well, he's counting it more as human excrement. That I may gain Christ. Yeah, or crap will do that I may gain Christ and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but which is uh, that which is through faith in Christ Jesus the righteousness which is from God by faith we talked about last week that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead Romans 8, 28 to 30, a great passage. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Most times you hear this verse quoted and it is just those five or six words, all things work together for good. You know, oh, hang in there, all things work together for good. For those who love God is the, is the context of it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. One man said, so often in the battle we go to the Lord and pray and plead and appeal for victory, for ascendancy, for mastery over the forces of evil and death. And our thought is that in some way the Lord is going to come in with a mighty exercise of power and put us into the place of victory and spiritual ascendancy as in a single act. We must have this mentality corrected. What the Lord does is to enlarge us to his purpose. He puts us through some exercise, through some experience. We could translate that to mean some pain and suffering. Because exercise, no pain, no gain. 
He takes us by some way which means our spiritual expansion and exercises spirituality so we occupy the larger place spontaneously. God has his purpose in life to enlarge us, but enlarging us is going to be a process of experience and pain and difficulty, adversity. Exodus 29 illustrates this as we come to the the close. Uh, Sorry, 23 verse 29 and 30. I will not drive them out of the land before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against you. By little and little I will drive them out before you until you be increased. See, God has a purpose. Even when he was bringing the children of Israel back into the promised land, it wasn't a case that he was just going to vanquish all the enemies and take them out of the land overnight because otherwise the land would have become desolate. They would have been overrun by things. They wouldn't have been up to the responsibility and the abilities of taking care of all the tasks. If God were to give you all the growth and victory of your life in one moment, how would that truly benefit you? I mean, you know, parents get a little glimpse of what it must be like for God, don't we, as parents, when we see our children born and we see them grow up through life and we see the the difficulties and the trials of life and the, the, you know, the relationship difficulties that they have and we know that through that process God is working in them and shaping them and moulding them and he's going to use that. But if we had our way, Oh, we'd get out there with the cotton wool, you know, the new plight of the helicopter parents, you know, hovering around all the time, trying to protect Junior from falling, trying to dive under him if he if he's going to fall over and scuff himself, sue the council for not having enough padding on the ground under the swings, you know. That's why some schools are taking away monkey bars because children have broken bones on them and, um, you know, swings and things. It wouldn't benefit you for God to take you to that place instantly, to take you to that level of development. It's the process. God is working through the process, and the process takes time. To illustrate that in closing, British Prime Minister uh, Disraeli, some years back, gave a brilliant speech on the spur of the moment. And later, a friend said to him, I must tell you how much I enjoyed your extemporaneous talk. It's been on my mind all day. And Disraeli turned to her and said, Madam, that extemporaneous talk has been on my mind for 20 years. See, your growth is in God's hands. He'll complete it in his time at the return of Christ. But the focus of your heart, that's in your hands. Keep that focus. Keep in the word. Keep in prayer. Don't, don't try and when the circumstances of life seem difficult and, and against you, don't run from it before you've, before you've sought God in prayer. Because He has a purpose in it. God has a purpose in that. And his purpose is wonderful. His predestined plan for you to what? 
To be conformed to the image of Christ. That's God's purpose for your life. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.